0: Coming in hot. Why do our why do our moods change so much? Why are we just like a a, a chemical reaction? I feel like we're we're just a bunch of chemical reactions. Uh, uh, yeah, There, John. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the problem with uh, your uh, uh, discovery. Uh, you, you you didn't earn it. Uh, you, you you saw what others did. You you, you replicated it. Uh, you market it, you, you slap it on a lunchbox, and now you're selling it. And you're selling it. Okay, all right, I came in hot. That was me trying to do Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. I can never seem to pull off that impression. And yet you're, you're, you're selling it on it. All right. Um, um, the other day, like, I was laying in bed uh, all day. Laid in bed all day. 34 years old, have a corporate job. Remote. And I, like, participated in a meeting, gave my opinion about why some writing was horrible and why my version was better. And then I laid down for the rest of the day. Something tells me that's not healthy. Uh, Or maybe it is. I don't know. I've never had a normal life, quote unquote. You know, you, you, you get popped out of your mom's womb in 1986. She's a single mom. Your dad's in jail, don't you know? Neither of them sound like they're from Sheboygan, Wisconsin, but here you are narrating your life story like they are, or maybe you're from Rochester, Minnesota, and you want to find a job with the union to take care of your family. So, you know, mom's single, dad's in jail, and there you are, plopped down smack in the middle of it, going to a private school, don't you know? And you don't even know you fit fitting the whole darn thing, don't you know? you know? That's what I would say about it. Then you try to fit in. You, you talk real good. And you go to middle school. You go to high school. That's no cakewalk. That's no Sunday hot ham. I'll tell you that right now. Don't you know? And then you go off to another one of these fancy schmancy colleges. By the way, you do a side... You do a side job over at... Uh, sony buffalo on a air force scholarship you're not even good at math and science and they're gonna have you building spaceships for Pete's sake so you figure that one out you go off to the nice liberal arts school you try to do that gosh darn dance and then and you go back to New York you're in a small town you meet some of the best loves of your life and then you go to hell. all right. Okay, I don't know what the fuck that was. All right. Um, I guess it's just a long way of saying uh, <laughs> the word "struggled" is on my screen right now, and I'm looking at that, and has nothing. It's not like some notes that I wrote. Uh, it's a video that I was watching. Why Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman struggled and hated working with each other on the set of Papillion? Papillion? Papillon? That's a Dennis Miller. All right. Okay, guys. I watched Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller live all day. I laid in bed and I watched clips from mid '90s Dennis Miller, uh, his show on HBO, which is actually really fascinating. It's interesting how he did that. I didn't realize each show had a theme, and he would invite people on, comedians usually, um, that fit the theme of the show, um, and they would just like talk about it. So, uh, Norm, you know, I like that you're coming in here looking like DB. Fuck, I had it earlier. I love. Dennis Miller uh, references DB Miller, DB Cooper. So yeah, Norm McDonald comes on and he's just dressed like a white guy. And then Dennis Miller is like, uh, "Yeah, thanks for dressing up like DB Cooper." And Norm's like, "Ah, uh, who's that? Uh, is that the guy who jumped out of the airplane?" And uh, you know, Dennis Miller is like, "No, it's Alice Cooper's wife." Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I fucking love Dennis Miller. My goal is to be the black Dennis Miller. And uh, that's why we're here uh, doing this right now. Guys, this is all over the place and I apologize. But something tells me you're enjoying it. Um, Yeah, it's... You know, I'm trying to normalize my life. I'm trying to find normal. Because my life is chaos. My life has been chaos. It's chaos. It's chaos. And I know people say that. My life is a struggle. My my life is literal. I could do anything tomorrow and it wouldn't fucking matter. You know, I I could pack my bags and go to Dubai... And that life would go on. I'd still have a job for a little while, I'm sure. Uh, Most of my interpersonal relationships wouldn't be affected. It's just like, it's it's a crazy thing where there's like not a lot of consequences to your actions. Uh oh, Duval starting to understand how serial killers work. Uh, (laughs) I watched that Richard Ramirez um, Night Stalker uh, Netflix thing. Uh, Natasha, who listens to this podcast, she's a girl who, like, I'd marry. Um, just gonna slip that in there, um, but not yet. I'm not ready. I need some more adventures in my life, but not a lot more. Just a few more. Just one more. Anyway, um, I was watching with this friend from college, and uh, there's something about that alienation that serial killers usually have, and obviously I have a lot of, and I always get scared when I watch serial killer things. But I just, I'm too lazy to be a serial killer. I don't have the kind of energy. As I just said, I laid in bed all day. I don't know how many serial killers were 6 su- I'm not even successful at being a serial killer. How about that? Uh or I wouldn't be successful. I haven't killed anyone. Let me be clear here. Uh I really hope these aren't the tapes y'all use in fucking uh the Netflix the Netflix documentary about me. But beneath the surface and in plain sight, Culpepper would elucidate everyone to the behavior that laid belie- lead. I don't remember. Uh, but alienation is at the root of everything, and I, I think it's really fascinating how people underestimate that. I was walking out of my apartment the other day to get coffee because that's really the only reason I have to leave my apartment. And this uh, this white devil was a <laughs> this white girl was playing ukulele. I, I shit you not, this white girl was playing ukulele in the common area patio um, in my apartment. Honestly, it actually looks like where L- Riggs lives in Lethal Weapon 2. No, where the South African girl looks lives in a Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, one of those types of apartments to paint a picture. Uh, <laughs> I've refused to update my references. Uh you know, he was living in one of these, uh, you know, bungalows that Detective Martin Riggs would find himself living in as he pursues his romantic interest in a Richard Donner film in the early 90s, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a very Dennis Miller-heavy episode. Anyway, I'm going outside. She's playing ukulele, and she, does, she doesn't have a mask on, and I'm, like, sliding mine on because this is a police state that we live in, and I'm with the mask, but still, it feels it robs you of something when you put one on, and she, like... She like scurried away. She like raised her shirt and like looked away from me and like nearly dropped her ukulele to like obscure her face because she didn't have the mask on. And like, while I guess I appreciated the gesture, it like symbolically it killed me. Like, I wanted to cry, but I didn't because I feel nothing. Um, because she was, she was like killing music for the sake of this, you know, pandemic that we're in, you know? this pandemic killed music. It was like the first time I'd fucking seen someone playing live music and she saw me another human being. And she had to like hide and like scurry away because she didn't have on a fucking felt, a piece of felt to like protect this lethal pathogen, uh, protect me from this like lethal pathogen that apparently can like, you know, that is obscured by fucking. uh, Fuck. What would Dennis Miller say? Uh, Papyrus Reed. Uh, like the kind of burlap that Anne Frank would be hiding and in, in the <laughs> it's fucking, whatever. Anyway, alienation, you know, this, this depersonalization and, and separating ourselves from one another is just, has always been at the heart of antisocial behavior and, and what causes people to do bad things and feel horrible. Um, but now it's like state mandated. And it's and I, and I understand where these like, red, I, you know, I always talk about this, I feel like, but these, I understand where these rednecks are coming from, who, you know, are so incensed by the notion of like their face, you know, being obscured or being, you know, legislatively required to be hidden. You know, there, there's something just so anti-American about that. And I get it. But, I, you know, and at the same time, but I'm at the same time, I'm all for like, you just put a fucking mask on for a little while and then like, let's get out of this. Um, so if we, add, if we all had collective buy-in at the beginning, I think we would have been okay. But because we have a fractured society, and that's no fault of anyth- anyone but ourselves, that's why we never were able to get everyone on the same page. So I get where everyone's coming from. My point is is that like, there are going to be long-lasting implications to this pandemic, far beyond the medical ones, which I think people you know, are trying to focus on. But I think the social ones are a lot scarier than any medical um, uh, residual effect of the pandemic. You know, it's like in the 80s, we had Russians and nuclear war. Um, in the 90s, we had a break. In the 2000s, we had terrorism. We had terrorism. In the, in, in the 2010s, we had a break. Now, we're in 2020. I think viral pathogens are going to be this new thing that the powers that be are going be are going to use to control us. And that's not conspiratorial. It's in their interest and it's in the nature of governance to have a mechanism by which they control us, which is fear you know Hunter S Thompson wrote his his last book was Kingdom of Fear and it was written in the wake of the September 11th 2001 attacks and it's the same thing you know whether it's Russians whether it's terrorists whether it's a virus there's always an invisible boogeyman that our government is going to use to control us and that's not a negative conspiratorial thing i think you need in a very complex god this is really getting real <laughs> getting real uh, bunker in Wisconsin but Hey, I'm sure plenty of my racist Trump supporter fans uh, dig what I'm saying. My point is, is that there is a consequence for everything. And I think I started this podcast by saying serial killers have a lack of consequence. I don't know. There's some fucking good point that I'm making here, but I'm not aware of it right now. Um, yeah, you got to look at the other side. It's not just wear a mask and that's for the best entirely. No, you know, there there is, you know, and in, in, in 2003, like, we all thought terrorism was, like, a real deal. And, like, I guess it was, but was it? You know, how many major attacks happened after 2001? Like, there was a dude with a truck that nobody talks about. He, like, ran over some people in Midtown. We don't really fucking remember that or care about that. Uh, but we do have the, we have the Patriot Act now. You know, we have, you know, a surveillance state that did not exist prior to 2001. So, you know yeah wear a mask and you know let's all get tracked you know as we get vaccinated and stuff but like if you don't think that the cia and oh god this is really really one of them episodes anyhow i don't know just fucking the ukulele girl it made me sad you know i wanted her to keep playing music but music is now illegal and the existential implications of that cannot be understated whoo yeah we're cooking here guys we are cooking don't you know oh yeah we're gonna go have some sunday hot hams there was a, a wisconsin woman that i stayed with and that was her thing she's like okay well don't you know i'm gonna go to the gym you go do what you want to do but we're gonna have sun it's my life is strange i went to go f- live with a fucking woman off of the internet in wisconsin like what she almost like beat me because I didn't like Inglorious Bastards. Like we were watching, I always, I, think I always talk about this, but it was just so horrifying and traumatizing. I was in another, I was in a, ostensibly a stranger's house. I didn't like the movie she was watching, and her energy was so violent. She's like a tall bitch too. She's like six one. Um, you know I like them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Going back to the, the masks and the alienation, so I think later that day I went to the supermarket and uh, you know there's like the uh, plastic, you know plexiglass partition. The guy had on surgical mask, face shield, and then plexiglass partition between the register and me. And he's like, rrr, 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 rrr. and uh, you know, and like it's a really it's a it's a hacky joke, it's an easy joke, but I wasn't joking. I didn't hear what the fuck he said. I was like, come again? He said. Rrr, rrr, rrr. I was, I was like, oh yeah, no paper. He's like, sorry, the plexiglass. It's hard to hear. And then, you know, everyone now, when you're in public, has that weird hushed tone because they think the louder they speak, the farther the virus will travel. Which scientifically, I'm sure makes sense. But like, if we're two feet away from each other and we're yapping for an hour and a half, eating our fucking ceviche and martinis, like, we're gonna get it. You know, either either you're gonna get it or you're not. Uh, but so everyone, you know, you're in a suit. Yeah, no, let's get the uh, Um Yeah, and the, uh, the vegan dumplings. Yeah, I think Sarah is a vegan, so we'll get the vegan dumplings for the party. And it just has this annoying hush that, again, the existential implications of that are just eerie to me. You know, no raised voices. Raised voices are illegal because the science ministry determines that loud voices make the virus travel farther. Like, come on, you tell me you can't see that? Um so anyway, I was at the supermarket, and then I was like, yeah, I know, it's really hard to fucking hear sometimes, and like, I you know, I was just speaking in a normal tone, and this girl behind me, like, laughed, because it's just weird, like, we're all just kind of going along with this new social construct that we haven't really analyzed or considered the implications of, as I've said at nauseam uh, for this episode. Okay. pause here, guys, take a drink. Yeah, I'm drinking What of it. Where are we at, guys? My life is Ulysses. That's what it is. That's what it is. My life is Ulysses. It's this wandering fucking dude who's trying to get home one day, but some nigga's in his mom's house. <laughs> my dad, there's just a bunch of niggas in my house now, and I'm just like, I got to knock the arrow, the, the bow in order to like reclaim my throne and shit. It's like, oh, y'all niggas can't, you niggas can't knock this bow like Ulysses can. Mm. So, would really like these motherfuckers to. Let's hang out in the Bronx. Let me have my grandmother's house. That's, I mean, I, don't know. I had a nice long conversation. Also, like analyzing where my friends are at too. So it's like I think I have one very good friend left, uh, Brian. But even and I, I mean Brian, i just. I mean we talked about this last night, but. Like in order to hang out with Brian, I gotta like sit six feet apart from him, you know, in his backyard. Like we're fucking, uh, uh, <laughs> like a sixty, <laughs> like a sixty minutes interview with a fucking foreign dictator. Uh, that's what it feels like, and it's just like your best friends in the world you can't even get close to. Um, so yeah, no, the whole thing's a mess, and like you know, I don't want to like see people like that. But then my other friends. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, you know, we change and like most of my friends have a significant other and, you know, you can't underestimate how that changes them or you. Um, And for better, for worse, you know, I think my buddy Brian's a great example of like how a significant other can help build you and kind of, you know, inspire you to get shit done or um, at least just be in the environment of something positive. Um, Growth, change, positive growth, positive change. But I have other friends who are in situations and I'm like, they're clearly not happy. Or there's just something dark about it and, you know, you kind of become sort of the um, conduit to kind of help them uh, mitigate the fact that they're not happy. And I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want my, my, my wandering and my meandering to be sort of like a analgesic for their choices that are not I'm trying to be careful here. I don't want to <laughs> – uh, I'm not talking about Brian. Brian's great. And so is his, his woman. His, oh God, she's not going to like that. Uh, I'm an individual, not a woman. All right. Brian never let her hear this. Uh, is this why she doesn't like me? Motherfucker. Turn, turn this off. Go to bed. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm the perpetual sort of traveling bachelor. And it's not something, it's not like a badge of honor that I wear. But it's just the nature of who I am and what I'm trying to achieve it requires a... a uh, Willingness to challenge convention and shirk comfort, uh, and really try to gamble on inventing your own true comfort um, with no guarantee that you'll achieve it. So I don't know. It's just it's a strange time. You know, we're not close to anyone. We we weren't really close to people before, socially and technologically, and this pandemic is doubling down on that, and. Now, more than ever, you have to fight to really sort of analyze what intimacy and and closeness and love is with other people. Um, Because a lot of people already have some version of it, even if they don't believe in it, even if it's sort of paper thin, even if it's superficial, even if it's this, I am dating somebody because I'm dating somebody or I'm marrying somebody because that's the thing to do. um, There are many people who don't even have that. You know, they don't even have the option to marry someone they don't love or be with someone they don't like. (coughs) Um I'm not drunk. I said I feel like two hard seltzers here. Um These are lonely times. These are very lonely times for people. Um And again, I'm, I'm I'm in a position to do whatever I want and it's a beautiful position, but it's I'm at the age now where I'm not just 27 and want to like blow my money on fucking hotels and you know, cheap thrills. I'm like, wow, like Wouldn't it be nice to be able to spend this money and uh, freedom with someone you like a lot? Uh, But seeing how that manifests in my contemporaries, you're like, hmm. What if it's not the right person? To the 20 of you that listen to this, I hope you know that when I do blow up, you're all going to be welcome to the VIP section of the launch party for like season three or four when this is like a big deal uh, podcast. Um, so if you're listening, send me a message and say, Deval I appreciate what you do. Um, please make sure I'm on the list for the VIP party for when you monetize this lovely podcast that's brutally honest and so deeply insightful from a man who <laughs> takes the hits so you don't have to. Boy, oh boy. Best conversations I've had being in LA have been mostly digitally with the dudes I play Call of Duty with. Isn't that crazy? But I'm happy. It's warm here. I like I walk a lot I get to go up these hills, you know. It's 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 it was a necessary move. I was just fucking sh- smolting in Kingston. I was just becoming a fucking igneous rock of hatred and masturbation. <laughs> uh now i at least see that there is a trajectory i can i can commit to to kind of get things get things going don't you know boy oh boy I had a crazy dream about a room it was like almost like a showroom it was as it it was what you might imagine like a uh furniture store in the 70s to look like but deeper than that it was like tall ceilinged wood paneling uh, brown carpet and like not a king size bed but like a triple king size bed with that was burnt orange the mattress or the sheets and the bedding were burnt orange and wood paneling and Sort of how those dens, you know, I think we all have an uncle or or our families have like a den that was just so sound absorbent where you would go downstairs and it just was kind of just like, kind of like this, just like, uh, I don't know if that describes it, but just sort of like a stillness, almost like time stopped because of how much sound was being absorbed by all the, whether the, whether it was the asbestos in the walls or the thickness of the carpets. Uh, so anyway I just had a dream about a room like this and then on the walls there was like a poster for something but at the very bottom of it was a Polaroid picture of me modeling like in a shoot that I had done in real life and I don't know like was kind of I interpreted to mean that like Duval you can have your own space that looks exactly how you want it to look like a weird 70s office which is like my dream uh, but you have to like stay in LA and like get back to like doing commercials and sit and shit and modeling, and doing your power to continue to make money to fuel this crazy fucking life that, so far, is, oof, man. Alright. I have a dream that one day I could stay in a stank 70s furniture store. (laughs) Yes, Martin Luther King Jr., you had your head blown off, so light-skinned black men like me can dream about all sorts of bullshit and fuck all the white women in the world. And truly, I think on some level, the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. is like, bet. Be honest. Be truthful. I don't see a lot of Latinos at Black Lives Matter protests. I feel like it's white women and, and black people. Latinos are like, hey man, we're just trying to stay in the country. You all making a lot of noise. Hey, oyale, olale. What you doing, man? All right, that's just racist. Okay, that's an edit. But I don't know how to delete that, so I'm just going to leave that racist part in.
1: It's not. Mexicans hate
0: black people. That's another thing, too. But, okay. Daddy's had a little too much hard kombucha. duval you you You, you embarrass me in front of my friends, and the children hate you. Hey, you don't talk to me like that sweetheart, okay? I work very hard, okay? I sit in front of a computer. I tell my truth. And I drink hard kombucha because that's the only thing that keeps me center, okay, Pepe, You don't talk to me like that. Uh, I don't tip because of slavery. I'm going out a lot. And, like, I'm paying $5 for fucking uh, shitty black coffee and then, like, another 5 for, like, a mediocre almond croissant. And then they're like, oh yeah, and a uh, tip, please, sir. I'm like, here, 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 here's, here's uh, 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 the dehumanizing legacy of uh, slavery is still manifested in the transaction we're experiencing right now. So, um, as a matter of fact, you need to give me $2 back a slavery tax. Wouldn't that be a bitch? That'd be awesome if there was a slavery tax. Just $2 back for black people. Okay, look, I'm Joe Biden, and here's the deal, Jack corn pop jack all right this is retarded okay i'm drunk um i'm not drunk i'm just tired (laughs) hey i'm not drunk okay i'm tired okay i work all day every day all right we covered a lot of shit here guys uh friends are changing and the relationships are going to define those friendships uh uh the depersonalizing and alienating nature of the pandemic will be long lasting and it's up to us to sort of fight to remember what it means to be physically and emotionally close with people because if we leave it up to the powers that be uh, we won't and that's about all i can remember from what the fuck i just ranted about so hey guys until next time take care of yourselves and each other Boom dun dun. dun.